Good to see everybody out this morning, and uh, appreciate you, those that remembered to come out today since I was preaching. Robert, you didn't get a call last night, so I know you must be happy. Um, first of all, good morning to everybody, and again, as was mentioned before, if you're a visitor with us this morning, so glad to have you with us. Welcome. Uh, we pray that you will feel welcome here, and that you will find the Word of God taught and try to be lived out. So again, good to have you this morning. Uh, a couple weeks ago, Jim had asked me if I would cover the class for him uh, this Sunday because he is uh, elsewhere preaching, and I said, of course, I'd love to. Um, at that time, I didn't realize the text that I had, and then all of a sudden, I look up the text, and I'm like, oh my goodness, it's a crucifixion, I mean, of anything. Let me talk about marriage or children, but the crucifixion, I was like, oh my goodness, and yet... As I was sharing with a couple of people this morning in class, I now see how there were a couple of things that the Lord was already working on long before Jim had even asked me to speak. And, uh, and so I'm excited to share this message with you this morning. Before I do get started with that, I have to share with you that it could be a little nerve-wracking because this, this text is crucial, crucial to our faith. Um, and this morning, I really ask that you really listen to this text and what we're going to share about it so that we can really reflect on actually the series that we've been going through on the, on the book of Mark. Everything is leading up to this. Everything completely. Um, our text this morning is going to be from Matthew chapter 15, verses 21 through 22. Matthew chapter 15, verses 21 through 22. <laughs> and before we go into it, one of the things that I want you to recognize, maybe when you have your own time to reflect on this scripture, is to realize that so much of this text that we're going to read, so many pieces of it, come right out of the Old Testament. Right out of the Old Testament. Psalms 22, Psalms 69, Psalms 109. So many of these things were talked about and mentioned long before. And basically, this is a story of pretty much a carpenter's son and his ministry, how this ministry changed his nation, and not only changed his nation, but changed the world. A ministry that changed man's relationship with God, and God's relationship with us. It was a ministry that only lasts three years. And it ended pretty abruptly. To his followers, it was devastating. And the way it ended, at that moment when it ended, or when it ended on this earth physically, probably only God truly knew and understand what was happening completely at that time. And it ended at the cross. The cross is a symbol of Christianity, isn't it? Symbol of Christianity. Uh, for many people, it's on the top of a church building as a beacon of hope. Um, for many people, it's a, it works as a different symbol. Uh, for many people, you wear it maybe on a piece, as a piece of jewelry. Um, and for some people, it does have deep meaning. For other people, it's just strictly a symbol. And we have to be so mindful about that. I, I read one time when that a minister went into a jewelry store and, and someone, of course, the jewelry 
the jeweler did not know that he was a minister, and, and he was looking at the crosses, and the jeweler said, and not being to be disrespectful, but he says, oh, do you like the crosses? Do you want a plain one or one with the little man on it? And it may sound funny, but to many people, that's all the cross is, is a symbol. And yet, the cross has also been used for a lot of things, political and social agendas. Um, and the cross also has come across so offensive to so many people that, that they don't even want it displayed at all in the public eye. The cross... And I hope you'll bear with me through the end of this lesson, but I want you to listen. The cross is a place of division. Over from 2,000 years ago, behind the, it, it even divide, uh, defined the time in history. And it all came down to this carpenter's son named Jesus. All came down to the cross. This morning, we're going to reflect on the facts, the person, and the reason. If you have your Bibles, let's look at Matthew chapter 15, starting in verses 21 through 25. Matthew chapter 20, chapter 15, verses 21 through 25. And it reads, a certain man, sorry, let me put it up there for you. A certain man from Cyrene, Simon, the father of Alexander and Rufus, was passing by on his way in from the country and they forced him to carry the cross. They brought Jesus to the place called Golgotha, which means the place of the skull. Then they offered him wine mixed with myrrh, but he did not take it. And they crucified him. Dividing up his clothes, they cast lots to see what each would get. It was nine o'clock in the morning when they crucified him. Now, one of the things I want you guys to recognize right now that I have to admit, I, it really didn't come to mind until I was preparing for this class. We're talking about the crucifixion, and everything pretty much consists of one paragraph. Not elaborate, very simple facts of what happened. And it made me think, if they were going to convert this to a movie, and they really were to go scripturally by what is said, it wouldn't be very interesting, would it? So they might have to elaborate and really focus on the anguish that he went through, how he was, how he was flogged, how he, was, how he had to carry the cross. And for many of us, we know that a movie like that was made <laughs> called uh, The Passion. But isn't it interesting that within just a couple of verses, it mentions this man Simon was called to carry his cross. They go, took him to a place to Golgotha. They offered him a little bit of wine as some simple form of compassion, and he denied it. They crucified him, divided the clothes, and by 9 o'clock in the morning he was crucified. Why would it be? We've been saying the whole book of Mark, we're working on this and we're coming up to this point. Why would it seem to be so simple? Just cut and dry facts. Could it possibly be the intention of the gospel writers was not necessarily to relive the crucifixion. It wasn't necessarily to arouse pity for someone, but it was to, to assure faith 
in what we were to believe following that. You know, for many of them, they didn't have to relive it. Because you know what? For those people in that time, they knew exactly what the crucifixion was. They experienced it on a regular basis. Um, Something else that came across, the word excruciating. The word excruciating comes from the word out of the cross. To exemplify exactly what they went through. But it was a common thing in that time. And if someone had to be crucified, they knew all about it. So it's not like necessarily the gospel writer was going to dedicate that time to, ex- to explain all that. But he explained the facts. And facts speak for themselves. He was crucified. And why is that fact so important? For many people, and I think throughout time, but especially today, we would love to make the Bible nothing better than just a type of metaphor. That facts don't necessarily matter as long as you feel some type of connection and somehow you just click with God, then it's okay. The faith can just come from some type of perspective or preference. Jesus was a good teacher, nice guy, good prophet. But there's a sticking point. And that's the cross. Why this cross? And it's not a matter of preference, but it's a matter of truth. And when we reflect on the gospel, we think either the gospel is truth or it's not. And we need to figure out if it is truth, then what is that demanding of us? What is that calling for us? You know, earlier on when I mentioned that I feel that God was laying the groundwork for me to because, you know, I've been thinking so often we are so blessed to have so many wonderful Bible classes offered and we, we spend time in God's word and sometimes we just need to come back to realize what is the core of what we believe in and why. And that's one of the things that we want to address right here when we're talking about the cross. And the cross can really need to be a, a sticking point. Well, at this point, we're going to go down to the next part, the the person and who we're talking about here. Let's go to the next part of the text, Matthew chapter 15 and verses 26 and 27. I'm sorry, Mark chapter 15, verses 26 and 27. The written notice of the charge against him read, the king of the Jews. They crucified two rebels with him, one on his right and one on his left. Six times, folks, six times in this chapter, he's referred to as the king of the Jews. Pilate himself even referred to him as the king of the Jews. And what did Pilate command to have written over the cross? King of the Jews. It's referred to throughout the scriptures earlier in the week. And again, we're not going to be going to every single text, but earlier in the week, what does the scripture tell us when he entered into Jerusalem? How was he received? As a king, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, laid the prom fronds in front of him, welcomed in as as their champion, their king. At his birth, he was called great and he shall reign. In Matthew 2, the wise men came to find the king. And how did they know that he was going to be a king and how did they know about him? Because they knew from the scripture that had told them before. He had been prophesied about over and over again. 
You know, it's it's interesting when we really take time to reflect on the scriptures, how all of the things were true fulfillments. You know, we were having a discussion not too long ago about, isn't it amazing just how the scripture said he had been born in Bethlehem? Where were Joseph and Mary living before he was born? Galilee? Nazareth? Where were he? Where was he? And yet, how did he end up in Bethlehem? All, what? It's so funny. It had been prophesied before, but then all of a sudden, there was a census that the Roman Empire decided, and all families had to go to the city of origin. And Joseph being the head of the house, they had to go back to the city of origin. And where was that city of origin? Bethlehem. And it just so happens that when they're there, that's when Mary gives birth. Wow, what a coincidence. So all of these things that we talk about previously, and we're even reading in this text, all of these things were talked about before. Of who he was. When we talk about, in Daniel, it mentions he was like the son of man. Okay? He came to be a king, but not just the king of the Jews. He came to be the king of all. That's one of the views of Romans 3.23 where it says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, because he came for all of us. So the person is Christ the King. Christ the Son of God. That's who we're talking about here. We're not just talking about just a carpenter's son. Where all of the scripture came to fulfillment. He was the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Okay? But now... This is the harder one that I think that we need to figure out. The reason. Why, why, why did he have to die? Why did he have to die? Let's look at the next text. Matthew chapter 15, verses 29 through 32. I'm sorry. Sorry. Luz Maria, this is your fault because she corrected me on a scripture this morning. Wherever you're at, it's your fault. Liz. Um, Matt, Mark chapter 15, verses 29 through, 20, through 32. All right. Those who passed by hurled insults at him, shaking their heads and saying, So, you who are going to destroy the temple and build it in three days, come down from the cross and save yourself. In the same way, the chief priests and the teachers of the law mocked him among themselves. He saved others, they said, but he can't save himself. Let this Messiah, the King of Israel, come down from the cross that we may see and believe. Those crucified him with him also heaped insults on him. Wow. You know, when I'm, when I'm looking at this text first, it amazes me because it's bad enough that you're being crucified. But even the people that were crucified next to him are putting these insults on him. It's, can you imagine it get any worse? But again, why did he have to die? I think if they would have asked themselves one particular question... I think it would have 
maybe resounded with them and maybe caused a different answer. If they would have asked themselves, if he did save others, then why didn't he save himself? Listen to that question. If he did save others, then why didn't he save himself? The facts were clear that he had saved others. People had seen the testimony. People had seen the miracles. People had known what he had done. Even the Pharisees, all of them, they knew of what he had done. So if he saved others, then why did he not save himself? And the answer is clear. He didn't save himself because he chose to save us. Do you see what I mean now that besides the fact that this whole series we've been doing leads up to this, this is a basic class reminding us about why we believe what we believe, why we call him our savior. He didn't save himself on that cross so that he could save you and he could save me. If he hadn't died, he wouldn't have saved us. It was for our sake. It was his love for us. I found this reading from from minister out in the uh, Arizona area, in the Phoenix area. I'd like to read it to you. It says, those who have grasped the true meaning of the cross and understand that it is not weak or foolish. It is instead the power of God and the wisdom of God. It is the power of God because through the cross, God forever destroyed the kingdom of Satan and broke the grip of sin. It is the wisdom of God because in the cross, God used a tool that neither man nor the devil could ever have foreseen to accomplish salvation for his people. Wow. I really love that. And that's why I wanted to read this quote. That he used a tool that neither man nor the devil could have ever foreseen to accomplish. Do you really even think that the disciples completely understood the magnitude of what was happening? But we do. There's another text I wanted you to look at real quick. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 23. And it states, but we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and foolishness to the Gentiles. To many, the cross is foolishness. This morning when I had decided to select the, ti- the title of the two sides of the cross. It's because there are two sides. There's a side of the people that just think it's foolishness. And there's a side to those of us that think is the power of salvation. And it's the same thing it was the day that he was crucified. There were many people mourning his death and what was being done. But there was many people at that very moment ridiculing him, hurling insults, casting lots. Even on the cross itself. It says there were two thieves crucified there and 
What did one of the thieves say? One of the thieves was even mocking him right there. The other one did say, remember me in paradise. But even to that extent, that even on the cross, right there, there were two sides of it. If you have your Bibles, I didn't put this on the screen. If you have your Bibles, go to Isaiah chapter 53. Isaiah chapter 53, verses 5 through 7. And again, just another example of how all of this was foretold in the Old Testament that would happen in the New. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. I'm going to repeat that verse. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds we are healed. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter. And as a sheep before its shearer is silent, so he did not open his mouth. Powerful. You know, in hindsight, it's so easy when we're studying the Bible to think, you know, the Jews were just stubborn, silly people. Over and over and over, the Lord would tell them, what is going to happen and how it should be. Over and over, he would send prophets. And they still would not listen. As a matter of fact, what would they even do? (laughs) They would kill those prophets. Over and over, we'll look at the miracles that God performed. Even before the time of Jesus in the Old Testament. So many. And we say, goodness, if I would have seen those miracles, of course I would have believed. Really? What makes us think that we can be so different than the people of Israel themselves? This morning in class, we were talking about they lived through the plagues. They lived through the parting of the sea. They lived through the pillar, the cloud, the pillar of fire, the man of the quail. Conquering of Jericho over and over again. And it didn't take them very long just to go right, revert right back to their ways. So what makes us think If we saw something like that, that we would be different. And I question you on that because so often we feel, Lord, if I just really saw some miraculous sign from you, I would really believe. Not really. Maybe for a short period of time. But not really. We see this here. And the reason I bring this point up is because... The Jews, this was written in the Old Testament. We saw it over again. What message do we hear in the New Testament? Does Jesus not present his gospel to us and tell us how and why? This morning we reviewed just the brief facts, the person, and the reason why this has happened. So, 
Why don't we trust in his word and live by it? Again, the cross has been a dividing line in history and continues to do so. On one side of the cross are those who declare it to be foolishness. On the other side are those who say it is a power of salvation. And in it we see God's mercy and grace and his love for us. Which side are you on? And let me clarify something real quick. I'm going to take this mic right out of here. As you can tell, these are probably the people that think it's foolishness, and these are probably, this is us. This is us. Please let us be mindful. Far be it from us to look down on any. The only thing that separates us is that we have trusted and we have accepted the gift of salvation in Christ. That's what puts us on the other side. And our prayer should always be not only for our loved ones, our friends, co-workers, that we all could be on the side that trust in it to be the power of salvation and God's grace. This morning, when we had the text of the cross, I don't know maybe what you were expecting to hear. But the more I read the text over and over and over, I think it was a simple reminder. The cross is a dividing line. That's the sticking point for many people. Because if not, why did it have to happen? And this morning, I just offer to you to be clear on which side you're on. To be clear which side you're on, to understand it a little more clearly, to have a hunger for God. And to be grateful for the precious gift in Christ that he's given each one of us. And that hopefully we will take that message with us. Earlier, when I was mentioning about that the cross has been used for many things, social and political. And I mentioned that the, Christ, uh, the cross is a dividing line. Christ... And his children could be that bridge. Let's be mindful when we consider that it's a dividing line, why it divides. <laughs> and I challenge us again to remember why. If by chance you have not accepted the gospel yet, you have not accepted that gift that puts you on the other side. And again, the other side is just knowing that Christ died for you and that he took your sins upon his shoulders and he sacrificed his life so that you could live. If you have not accepted that gift and chosen to follow Christ, this is an opportunity. And you are always invited at this time and any time to make that commitment and that decision. Don't feel like you need to know the entire Bible <laughs> to accept Christ. <laughs> 
what you do need to understand is that Jesus was the Son of God and He died for your sins and for mine. If you have not made that confession yet, or if you have any prayer requests that we might have for you, we invite you to come forward now as we stand and sing.